everyone, welcome to another episode of Photography Chat. We're on uh, Season 2, Episode 43 with Starla Dawn. Uh, we'll just uh, get Starla in here and then we can get going. Um, everyone this week. There we go, we got Starla there. And... Hello! Hey. <laughs> Oh, is sound working? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, perfect. It's all good. <laughs> I like your glasses. Thank you. They're fun. They're fun. And I like your artwork you got behind there. Oh, thanks. It's actually one of my friend's girlfriends. She does like a lot of really cool um, line drawings, um, a lot of female figures. That's very cool. How's your day been? Good. Busy. I'm going to close my door real quick. Hold on a second. Yeah. Also grab my beer. Um, it's been good. Busy. I went down to Nashville to help someone out with a little procedure they were having. So drove back. So it's about an hour drive down, an hour drive up. I like Nashville. I had a yeah. good time there. Yeah. Where are you located? I live in Vancouver, British Columbia. Uh, which oh, cool. Is, like, West Coast. Um, I've been here since May. I, I grew up here, actually, but uh, prior to that, I was living out in Toronto, Ontario, which is just uh, above upstate New York. So it's like, um, I think it's like an hour and a half away from like Buffalo, stuff like that. Okay. I figured because you were on Eastern St Standard Time. Somewhere in that region. <laughs> yeah, so when I started this, it was all like based on Eastern time. Um, and then trying to like find times to juggle where it's like Pacific people can still watch and it's not super late for Eastern people. And then it's really interesting when I have international guests on because then those time zones get like super <laughs> weird. Yeah. Um, it's like I had a dude from France um, on, I have someone uh, from Australia that's going to be coming up soon and that's like a weird one because it's like I'm interviewing them on a Thursday here but it's Friday for them where they are yeah also what is that time difference it's a huge one um it's like nine or ten o'clock in the evening on Thursday my time is like three or four p.m Friday mm -hmm. afternoon for them Okay. I was going to ask you if there's ever been a time where you've been um, interviewing someone and it's like three o'clock in the morning their time. Um, not yet, no. It got <laughs> pretty late when um, I was interviewing Tony, uh, the dude from France. I think it was pretty late his time. Okay. But he was quite accommodating. So like, that was a fun, fun interview though. Yeah. How's your night going? It's not bad. I've actually been like, I haven't had a chance to like unwind from work um, mm -hmm. yet because um, I'm in the midst of applying for some new internal jobs at work, like inside of the company. And I've got two interviews tomorrow for two different things. And um, one of my colleagues was like, yo, it would be a really good idea if you made, like, a PowerPoint about you to be, like, um, 
because one of the interviews tomorrow, there's like no agenda. It's just like a meet and greet kind of thing. And he's like, I've been on the panels for these. And he's like, you don't want to just show up empty handed. He's like, show up with something that like, you know, then you like look like you were prepared or whatever. And I was like, damn it, man, you made me do, now I have to hold, do a whole bunch of work. Like extra work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then I kind of got into it. And I'm like, this is kind of fun. Like, you know, it's. Uh... So is the PowerPoint about you? Yeah. It's about me. Yeah. Oh, that's kind of cute. I love that. But like yeah. as, as a professional. As a prof but using like the corporate temp. So it looks like it's like a corporate PowerPoint on me because it's using like our templates and like all of that. Um, and it made it look like I'm doing like, because I, I do technical evangelism for work for Dell Technologies. So okay. I do a lot of like PowerPoint and um, talking people to death uh, for a living. <laughs> so I love that. It's interesting. So you're no stranger to talking to strangers. No, so I, I'm not. And my, my like career work has helped me with this chat because like my job is to literally talk to strangers and befriend them and uh, make them feel comfortable and that they can trust me because the companies I work for mm -hmm. gain trust and like, you know, get people to believe in the technologies we represent and things like that. So there's a lot of that that I've had to do for my professional work, which has been really weird because like, I'm actually a really introverted person. So, okay. Um, starting that work was really awkward for me because I'm like, I just want to like crawl into a hole and not talk to anyone. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> yeah, which I, I imagine could be an interesting thing as like a photographer doing what you, cause you're out there, um, you know, hitting people up and having to interact with them and stuff. And so I was kind of curious, like, what's that been like um, on your side of things? Like, was it natural for you to like jump into that? Or? Yeah, I can't pretend to be introverted at all. Um, I, I feel like when I take those like personality tests, it's always been uh, definitely, I, I lean more extroverted, but then um, like as I've gotten older, it's been closer to 50-50. So I'm like 49% introverted and 51% extroverted. So it just really depends on like what state of depression I'm in. <laughs> so, <laughs> I have like, no idea what depression's like at all. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, uh, creative with depression, like that's super original, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, it has so with COVID, it's been an interesting thing, like on the depression thing, because I think there, well, not I think, like I've ran into and I've heard of a lot of people who have had to face like depression and, and you know, for the first time like, ever. Yeah. And how yeah. like just like world shattering it was for them. And it wasn't that I wasn't empathetic with it, but it kind of surprised me a little bit because it's something that I've dealt with since I was a child. So it's like, it just seems normal to me. And I'm like, yeah. wow, there's humans that exist that have never felt this before. And like, what would that be like? Yeah, welcome to the party, you guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Get some popcorn. It's quite lonely, but not really. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it depends on like you know what what kind of things you're carrying there. But I have noticed there's been a, a larger propensity of mental health stuff with most of my creative friends. So that's cool for us. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, there's been a thousand and one studies that have been done that show correlation between 
intellect and mental illness. Um, and I think, you know, creativity comes from a, a place of intellect, you know, you have to think outside of the box and not in this linear way so often. So, I mean, it makes sense that they go hand in hand when you think about it, you know? And if you have ADHD, it's like, what's oh. linear? Like, <laughs> um, what you're talking about? <laughs> yeah, I, I've also heard that there's a correlation between swearing and intellect too, which I find. I was going to ask you that. That was going to be my first question uh, on where we stand on swearing, because I know that you record this and like syndicate uh, for podcasting. Or sometimes, I so love it. So I mean, just drop whatever the shit. Okay, is. cool. Because I mean, I can turn it off, but naturally, I just uh, yeah, f bombs are kind of just like part of my vernacular. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it they don't <laughs> even seem well, they're not offensive to me at all. But they just seem like part of the conversation. Like it's just, yeah, there know. are natural places. It's not like we're like third graders trying to be like using cuss words the wrong way <laughs> but it is hilarious when you see little kids use swearing and use it properly like that's i see those tiktoks of like little kids dropping f-bombs and i'm like yeah i never really wanted kids but like this this moment I kinda... yeah i have a few saved so i know what you mean I, I think it's funny when it's someone else's kids but when it's my own kids less so so my um, as my kids have gotten older, I've definitely not been so great with my filter and they've definitely watched me interact with other adults. So whenever she like casually says something, it's like, <sighs> like now I have to correct that you're not supposed to say this because of like polite company or something. And well, I so now I have to explain to you like why society views certain words as good words and why it's bad words. And then you get into all these like deeper topics. And it's like, this is an exhausting conversation already. <laughs> I'm curious now, and you know, not to put you on the spot and you don't have to answer if you don't want, but what's been like the most horrifying repeater oh, hi, Dave. for you that you've had? <laughs> I, I love Dave. Dave's one of the best people. But what, were you, what was the question? Sorry. One one of the most like horrifying repeater moments that one of your kids have like you know latched onto some words you've said and then like almost like a Christmas story moment when he's like fudge but he didn't say fudge. You know what's funny is I can't think of anything that's when it comes to swear words I can't think of anything that's so remarkable. Excuse me, I think there's been a couple of times that she has used the word shit and she hasn't realized that like. You're not supposed to use that word or no maybe it was like ass or something something like not like the worst word but she just used it so casually that I was just like you know you're not using it wrong um but we can like come up with a different way to say that or like the <laughs> the other actually last night maybe it was either last night or night before last um my boyfriend was having dinner with us and he asked her her opinion on the Loch Ness Monster. And she was like, oh, that's not real. That's most likely just a whale dick. And we just like lost it. I was like, of course that's the answer. Why wouldn't that be the answer? And I've seen videos of like whales like <laughs> flopping their dick out of the water. And now that she said it, I was like, 
first of all, you just taught me something that I didn't know. Obviously, it's a whale dick. But also, like, maybe you say, well, penis and not whale dick. <laughs> like, but but, I, I, mean, I couldn't, I mean, she's not wrong. <laughs> why? But dick's not a bad thing to say, you know? It's like... Not particularly, but I think it just, like, would throw someone for a loop, you know, to hear, like, a 10-year-old girl be like, yeah, no, that picture's just a whale dick. <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> It, it exactly. makes me think of super bad when when the guy's like, yeah, it's like I draw dicks, <laughs> like like a man dick. <laughs> Can't stop um, drawing them. <laughs> yeah, and that kind of like, it's not a, a terrible thing to say, but like in that context, there's like, um, it could be taken in, in an inappropriate way. Like, I mean, even as an adult, I've gotten in trouble for saying words that on their own wouldn't necessarily be bad, but when strung together, create a cacophony of like offense for some Oh, for sure. Um, like when I first started doing this public speaking stuff, um, it's tough for me because like my, my employment history started pretty blue collar, like working in like garages doing mobile electronic shit and stuff like that with like guys that used to be like mechanics that like decided they didn't want to do mechanic stuff so they moved into electronics but they were all kind of assholes and they were like is that that real like you know tough love kind of thing where it's like you just need to man the fuck up and that was what I grew up with is like work experience and then shifting into the corporate world and to things being a little bit more sensitive and things like that. Like I've had to adapt a lot, but the swearing has been something that's always been a complaint of managers and whatnot. Um, but then when I started doing this public speaking stuff, my, my sales wife, um, he thought it was funny that I swore a lot. So he's like, don't stop swearing, kid. That's your fucking thing. That's what makes that what makes yeah. you fucking relatable. It'll separate you from other people. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, you just you don't stop that. And I'm like, well, dude, man, like it gets pretty bad sometimes. When I get on it, he's like, whatever, man, just be your your best self. And I'm like, I mean, you gave me permission, so I'm gonna hold you responsible for this. If like we get in trouble for things I say, and there was this one event where. I was talking about the company I actually work for now, which is like ironic because I swore that I would never work for this company because I thought they were like evil corp. And I was like, you know, they're the worst. And um, punk rock and you is just slowly dwindling away. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, selling out is the rent. So yeah, I'm fine with it too. <laughs> it's a tough one. It's, like, it's, it's still, a, while it's still a capitalist society, I'm going to have to sell out you guys. <laughs> exactly. And it was all like, also like, I always think of Matthew Lillard and SLC Punk where he's like, it's easier to break the system from inside it than outside. And I'm just like, yeah, okay. That helps me justify. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was like talking about this company that I now work for in a way and how just insidious they are because I was like yeah you know that like you know three-letter company that just like is they get in there and they're like usually balls deep inside of your organization before you even know what's happened and that apparently was very offensive to somebody in the room and I got scolded oh balls deep yeah balls deep who would have thought uh, <clears throat> I mean I get why that could be offensive because it's like a sexual and you know in a corporate environment so like I guess like this is inappropriate, but also well, it wasn't but why? really. But like, why? 
it wasn't really in a court well it was kind of corporate but it was like in this like user group thing because like part of my job used to be talking to like um different like tech nerds and conferences and things like mm. that and so we were invited to speak at this event and um the event promoter got a little upset about my language but they did invite me back a few months later to come talk and they had talked to me about it like after the event being like hey we got some complaints and like you know some people were upset about like shit and the balls deep, especially. So like, <laughs> you know, next time just don't do that. And I had that in mind when <gasps> I came to this event to speak again, but then the promoter, he came up to me and he's just like, Hey man, I just want to like reiterate how important it is that you behave today. And like, you know, with that talk we had about the language, like, you know, and I was just like, Oh man, why you're like actually that? getting scolded. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm just like, why did you do that? Because, like, I'm a little bit petty, and I blame that on being a Sagittarius. Um, and I was like, you shouldn't have done that, man, because, like, now I'm obligated to fuck with you because I was going to behave before you did that, but then you did that, and, like, you're it's not just, my like, dad. right under I'm the skin. Yeah. Yeah, and so I just started off the thing being like, you know, Hey everyone, like it, it's great to be back. I'm glad that you welcomed me back here again. And it, it's great to talk with everyone. And I just, I wanted to apologize because I understand last time I was here, my language may have offended you. And, you know, that's upsetting to me because I don't want to offend anyone. So, yeah. because the love is deep and wide between me and the promoters here, I've agreed that, like, you know, I won't use any language like shit or fuck or bullshit. And I especially won't refer to anything as being balls deep in something because I respect everyone here so much. And, you know, he's in the back of the room being like, no. <laughs> it's like, you should. Oh, no. It. I love that. That's a, that's a baller move right there. It's <laughs> so amazing. Yeah, that's a huge power move. Like, that's amazing. Because it was an apology, right? So it wasn't. Yeah, but then also, like, you got the jab into the guy who was like overbearing. So, Abram, if you're watching this by some chance, I love you, man. And maybe one day, when the world relaxes, I'll buy you lunch again. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, talk enough nerd talk on, on my side there, um, is about you. And so maybe for people that may not be familiar with you, do you want to take a, a quick moment to just like give a little blurb, a spiel about yourself and. Can I tell you a secret? I love secrets. In front of the other people who are with us. And what other um, people? Just you and I. <laughs> no one's watching. So uh, I'm a master of deflection. And it's funny because I like to do like podcasts and stuff, especially with other creatives. But I like to whoop, weave around, the, <laughs> around those questions. <laughs> so, you like to, oh, so you don't like this question? No, I do. I absolutely do. But it's like a weird psychological thing where I like <clears throat> reflect it back on you. And I'm like, let's talk about you instead. Um, but yeah. Um, what, where would we like to start with photography? Because I feel like, the beginning. How, how balls For, deep do we want to go? I mean, all the way, like right up to the hill, like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I was like, I feel like I need a prompt. Um, <laughs> I feel like I've been taking photos for as long as I can remember. I mean, and, if it helps you picture like a Ron Howard narrator voice, it's like in the beginning, like. Yeah, no, 
if, if in the beginning, you know, I feel like that's everybody, like if you're a 30 something in the beginning is disposable cameras, Polaroids, like when they weren't, you know, two to $3 a shot. <laughs> like, the thing, so that's a misnomer with Polaroids is everyone thinks Polaroids expensive, but if you go and look at what Polaroids cost back in the day and adjust for inflation and all that, it's yeah. basically the same fucking price. Polaroids I mean, you're big. not wrong because <clears throat> I, that, uh, that Fuji uh, Natra 1600, mm. I've paid $30 per roll a couple times. But this is before, you know, the shit hit the fan and it's probably like 50 or $60 a roll now. Oh. Like, um, but, but listen, like that was the thing. Somebody like scoffed at me paying $30 for a roll of film. And I was like, no, no, no. Like it's 36 images. That's less than a dollar a shot. I bring the Polaroid out and that's like two something, 275 a shot, like something like that. So you guys out here are shooting your Polaroids and even the Instax is about a dollar a shot, a little bit less now if you get like the big boxes. But I was like a dollar a shot isn't that bad when you think about it. And if you're yeah. going to do something with it, if you're going to make something that you're going to sell, like cost for materials isn't that bad. Like. A dollar shot isn't that awful. Well, and, and I mean, if you're doing anything in the film game in general, like, you know, shut up about wasting money. Because it's just so expensive. If you don't want to pay yeah. money, you shoot digital. Like, that's, yeah. Precisely. I mean, uh, I think it was a little painful. I did this wedding in um, California two weeks ago now. And uh, they have a store there that I love, Nelson's Photo Supply. And they, uh, well, they have a few stores I love there, but that one uh, is OG for me. And uh, they always have film in stock and several to choose from, but for like weddings and stuff, uh, now that the Fuji Pro 400H is no longer available to us, Portra is the way to go. And whenever I like, that's the first time I bought Portra, I think this year. And that was a painful experience because I don't think I realized like how much the price had gone up. I was like, yeah, it's fuck. I bought four rolls of film and like a, like a little, um, like a little lens cleaning kit to keep in my bag. I think that was all I bought. And it was like 90 something dollars. And I was like, I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, I thought I was coming in here getting like 10, $12 a roll. I didn't realize that it inflated so fucking much. I yeah, was like, Ko Kodak, and they, they don't even, like, lube you before. They, they're just, like, they just get right in there. Like, you know, fucking Alaris, man. <laughs> they, so bad. It's, it's tough, but, like, like you said, like, since 400H is gone, like, you know, Kodak's really the only game with that. I mean, Lomo 400's yeah. not bad. It's not, and I've used... I've actually used Lomo 100 for a wedding before. Really? So, yeah, I mean, I'm a huge fan of, of Lomo every, I mean, I would have Lomo's baby if I could. Like, I'm a huge fan of everything that they do for the photography community. Did you hear that? She'll have Lomo's baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she, she already knows. I was like, <laughs> they, they've hooked me up with a couple of opportunities. I've, I've had some chances to like borrow lenses and be a part of a, a lot of really cool articles for them. Um, I mean, they're, they're just so caring about growing the community. So, they and the product's good. 
it's consistent. Um, I actually prefer Loma 100 for my double exposure work. Um, and I did a post, I mean, I, I erased my entire feed um, a few, like maybe a month back. I erased my entire feed or cleared out like over 3000 images. But I, I did have um, a set of three images up for Loma 100, Ektar 100 and Pro Image 100 on how they photograph reds. Um, because I do like shooting primary colors. And oddly enough, I don't, you know, a lot of people don't really like pro image, but the reds looked really good. But I almost always prefer Lomo. Pro um, image is the shit. Like, I really like pro it's image. It's not bad, but I remember when I first started buying it, people were kind of shitting on it all the time. And I was like, the reds on it are kind of fucking bomb. Like, they look pretty dope. Yeah, you, don't like, get, you don't get too much of a color shift in it. Like, I feel... If I look back at the images, I think Lomo might have been a little bit more green. Um, Ektar might have had like a little bit more warmth to it. Well, that's so funny, like because Ek Ektar is really like had like greens and blues pop out on Ektar. Yeah, it's crazy. And yeah, I feel like so for skies and like leaves and greenery and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and they were all three in studio too, so I had controlled lighting situation. It wasn't like a varying lighting situation. I'll have to find those images and pull them back. I lost a couple of hard drives in the past two years. Oh, so shit. I'll have to. <laughs> well, you know what the best part about losing a hard drive is? Is uh, you have all the negatives. That's fair. So, yeah. Scanning again. So fuck, I mean, you have to like rescan everything and that blows. Um, but there are worse things. You can recover all of your images and that's kind of the beauty of it because I've lost hard drives with negative, uh, with digital images, and I don't have any of my early work, like any of my good early work, any of my first shows that I've done, or any of that. Like, they exist in little places on the internet, but outside of that, I'm like fucked. <laughs> are Are you just using like USB hard drives for stuff, or? Um. Well, I, sometimes I my laptop, and I just have like little. Um, have several different types of hard drives actually, but now I know, and I was like, my friend Chris popped through here in the chat a few minutes ago, um, but I should be backing my shit up online. Well, so he'll kill me for not doing this because he's told me several times, but I use external hard drives and I've had a few external hard drives just fucking crash. So, okay. Also, I'm not very technically literate. That's fair. So. I was on Embrace the Grain. It's a podcast that Sherry Christensen and Jake Rose usually do, but Jake was sick and they invited me to replace Jake to talk with Mark Wellsford. And we were having this talk about like data protection and, and things like that, which ironically is kind of what I do for work as well. But um, <clears throat> for home stuff, what I personally use and recommend to a lot of people. I see the rule of three down there in the comments. And that's what like the wedding company I work for does. Like back that shit up three times. <laughs> yeah. So like portable hard drives are okay for like temporary stuff or whatever. But like what I would like highly recommend you to check out is get yourself like one of these baddies. Yeah. The Synology. These things are the shit because it's got two hard drives inside of it and it mirrors between the two of them. And so if one of them fails, you can just swap it out, put a new one in, and then it rebuilds it and your data is redundant. And then you can also set this up where they have like a cloud service that you could pay, like it's like eight to 12 bucks a month. Yeah. 
but this will back itself up to its own cloud so that if this ever breaks, you just get another one and you can pull all of your shit down to it. Yeah. And this is like saved my bacon a ton of times is like, you know, it, the USB drives are convenient cause they're cheap, but, um, you know, eventually you just got to pony up and get something like this. And then I would also really yep. putting like, um, uh, UPS power supply with it too. Like APC makes a, a pretty cheap one that, um, if your power ever flickers or like goes out or anything, um, it will keep this running and you can actually plug in some of the APCs like this has USB ports on it. Okay. You can plug the UPS into this so that if the power goes out, it knows, oh shit, the power's out and it will safely shut this guy down so that you don't lose any of your data. So it's a bit of an investment, like to get a NAS system up and running at home, you'd probably spend probably anywhere between like 700 to like a thousand bucks. But then once you've got it, like it's super protected you don't really have to worry about it much anymore. You have easy options to put stuff into the cloud and um, they're great. Like I run a couple of them at home now. Like this is an old one because I just upgraded recently, um, but they work great for everything like photography. Um, they've got bigger ones that you could use for video if you're getting into that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're, they're great. And Craigslist, you could find them cheap on there. Like I, someone says here, it's too bling for me. It's like, no, just go on Craigslist, man. Like, I buy all of them off of Craigslist. Just don't fuck with them. So you can buy them used. <clears throat> you can totally buy them used. But here's the thing. Buy the thing used, but buy brand new hard drives. Never fuck with old hard drives. Okay. Get new hard drives um, because then you know they're going to be solid because, like, you have no idea what the old hard drives were like. Like, how long did the person run them for? Like, you know, did they abuse them? Like, whatever. Um, so... You can totally pick up the Synologies online for cheap and then just buy hard drives. And that's the most expensive part is the hard right. drive. Because depending on how big you want to go, um, that's where the cost really starts to ramp up. And like you get two terabyte drives, three terabyte drives fairly cheap, but depending on how much you're going to store, that could be too small. Um, so I've got like... Um, the one that I use for my photography stuff is two four terabyte drives um, that are mirrored together. And someone's like, funny how in film discussion. Yeah, I just saw that. Like, what I was even, about. <laughs> even shooting film, like where do a lot of us put our stuff after we've shot the film? It ends up on. The I mean, on fucking Instagram. I mean, that's yeah, where we're at right now. So it ends up on Instagram or you're emailing it to <laughs> on our freaking iPhones like and whatnot. That. Yeah, exactly. So <clears throat> it's, it's it's kind of like an there there's an interesting duality that like even if you're a film shooter you're like oh it's like analog or die kind of thing it's like well are you taking those negatives into a dark room and printing them out and mailing people the the things that you've shot like hand dipped prints yeah yeah exactly it's like no okay then you're not totally analog because it's just like okay I shot this film and then I had it digitally scanned and then I emailed it to someone and then I put it on Instagram and it's like you're like fifty percent analog sure but like i mean the other part of the digital side of things so it's i don't know use whatever makes you feel happy with yeah with uh, I, I would like to say i've done a couple of like workshops and a, a couple of experiences like rob who owns safe light labs there in san diego before he had like 
his own lab, he um, he would have these parties like shortly after I moved to San Diego at his house where he would charge people like five bucks. And he, we'd go into his bathroom and we'd do like a developing session. Like he'd have his enlarger set up in his room. We'd do that and then we'd wiggle over to the bathroom and he had this really cool like three drawer setup that we would, you know, develop our prints in. And that was great and that was wonderful. But nine times out of 10, I'm using my scans and I'm getting like, <clears throat> sending them off through like a digital printer, you know, like somebody across the country and just having my prints done that way. Like, I hate to say it, but I don't darkroom print very often. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of money, <laughs> like, you know, like it, it is. I'll get there one day and I'll do more like hands-on stuff, but it's not even necessary for that to be a part of the art form these days because everybody's so like fast paced. And it's not to say there isn't value in that because there's great value in that. Absolutely. Um, in, I mean, it's there, that's a whole depth of like another form of beauty, but like. Well, and, and that's one thing that I've been struggling with a lot since moving to Vancouver is um, that kind of thing. I was spoiled in Toronto by downtown camera because um, even though I shot primarily film, my workflow was so quick because the lab there, downtown camera is amazing. Like um, you could get same day. So if like you get in yeah. early enough, they will have you the scans by the end of the day. Typically you could have it by the next day. So it's just like, you know, it was faster than shooting digital for me because I didn't have to fuck around in Lightroom and edit all the stuff because yeah. I knew their scans would be like excellent. And, um, you know, mm -hmm. what I got back from them, I could just run with as soon as it was done. <clears throat> but like, it was literally just, um, you know, shooting the film, getting them to scan it. The negatives are in like a Home Depot box in my crawl space and everything is just on the computer. And like, you know, I share it through Instagram or email them to people or whatever. Like, and I, I feel like Dan says, I think the talk of digital versus analog is sort of pointless. Both are tools for photographers to utilize. True story. And I agree. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's like the biggest, the biggest point that we're both on right now is like, use what you have available to you, what's good for what you're doing. Sorry, I'm like fooling around with this little pocket LED light all of a sudden. <laughs> but no, like, uh, so I had the same experience in San Diego is that they had um, an hour <laughs> they had like an hour um turnaround at nelson photo most of the time so i would drop my stuff off i'd hang out in the car grab a coffee pick my stuff off up and then um before the pandemic you could run over to safe light labs there and i think at the time rob would charge you like two or three dollars and you could use his noritsu and just scan it in and when you self-scan yourself you can get these high-res files um, which I mean, a lot of times I print large, like, uh, 12 by 18s or something like that. I don't, I don't know. Um, some of them even like wonky sizes, but you can get these huge high res, actual high res files and do large prints for $3 a roll. Like you really can't beat that. That's amazing. You know, it was, it was the glory days, which was like two years ago. <laughs> um, 
And then I think at the time too, Nelson was only charging like six bucks to do like a dev only and like uncut. So you would get your, you know, your whole tube, take it to the Naritsu, just feed it in. 30 minutes later, you have like a whole other thing. I was jealous of your drink there, sorry. What happened? I was jealous of your drink. Oh, it's funny, I'm finishing off a bottle of Chimay I started at like lunchtime. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, I was like I said, I was in Nashville and I knew that I had to drive. Um, so I was like, oh, I'm not gonna drink a whole bunch. And then on top of that, um, I mean, it's a big ass bottle. And you know, I don't know, they're usually like pretty high ABV. So I figured, oh, it's kind of two two beers in one. Like if I have small pools, I feel like I can't sit down in the evening and not have a beer. Is that an alcoholic? I don't feel like it is. It's not. It's definitely not. No, it's that's not an alcoholic. Like that's you. Yeah. You just enjoy imbibing in finer things. Yeah, basically. Are your earrings little knives? They are little knives. I, I don't know if you saw my post earlier. So, so what I was doing in Nashville is I was taking uh, my boyfriend to get a vasectomy. Oh, good for him. <laughs> but the shirt I was wearing had like little fuzzy balls on it. So I thought it was funny because I was, I was like, I'm going to bring knives and balls and like hope he gets the joke because he was like, I don't know, understandably a little bit nervous. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. what would have really been funny is afterwards if you got like a cone like they do for the dogs after they <laughs> <laughs> can put her car ride home. <laughs> that would have been funny. <laughs> no, I just thought it, I thought it was cute. I was like, ah, I should do like, and also the outfit was super colorful. It's like super gray and rainy here. And it, I feel like it rains in Tennessee all the time. It's just constantly raining, so. The rain in Nashville was insane. Like, I was there for a few days for work in, I can't remember if it was 2019 or 2018. It was either late 2018 or early 2019. But there was just this hellacious rainstorm that was just, like, absolutely torrential. And then it was just gone. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, oh, totally. Clears away. Sun's out. Like nothing ever happened. Yeah. Like we went to Prince's Hot Chicken for dinner, and like the the Uber ride there was like sketchy because like the guy was like hydroplaning all over the place and like yeah, it, that it, happens. It was super crazy, but then that night was really cool because there was this wicked thunder and lightning storm, and um. The hotel I was staying at had like a really good view of um, this sort of like this big clearing. And I managed to get the only shots I've ever been able to pull off of lightning on film. No, was, you got actual shots? Yeah, yeah. Shut in that front door. And it was so cool. Like I, I was using my 50 mil with my Nikon F5 and I have this like little rubber um hood for the 50 mil and i put that on the lens and pushed it up against the glass of my uh, hotel room and so it got rid of all the reflection because there was like no reflection because the the right. hood was on there and uh whenever i would like hear the thunder i would just like sort of do the countdown and then just like push and fire a couple frames and like there'd be a few that wouldn't catch it but like yeah and just black like, frames 
yeah and it was just it was so wild like nashville was cool from that perspective like the food was amazing the weather was crazy and then those bird scooters were terrifying when was the last time you were here in the area uh like 2018 2019 okay so like before the pandemic yeah yeah before okay. the pandemic so so in san diego we had those bird scooters too but i feel like it's completely different vibe like i know that they caused like kind of a huge like thing in san diego um it became like national news at some point i feel like there's like a this american life or something episode about like the court how people had dealt with like the legality of the situation um but nashville like a we have hills here like there are hills downtown and then b fucking everything anybody does in nashville is all around drinking so i just assume everybody that's on one is like completely drunk so well the, the, the roads there are kind of sketchy as fuck so like oh, i was it's yeah, I was tearing ass down a hill on one of them, and then the road like went almost like cobblestony on me. And yeah. I was like, rrr, 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 and it felt like my brain was about to like fucking like get ejected out of my head. Like it was just. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. That's that's exactly what it is. It's like oh, road maintenance ended like a hundred yards ago. <laughs> but it was it was cool. Like I I dug Nashville. It was a neat city. Like I'd like to go back. My the like crowning jewel of my whole adventure there though was uh, going to Kid Rock's bar. I've not done anything on Broadway. So I shot when I first um like my first my kids went to New Hampshire so shortly after I got here I shot like a band down on Broadway um and it was like a Friday evening and I think you know we started at 7 ended at 10 and I like literally dipped out like the second the show was over I was like I'm not hanging I think coming from California during the pandemic and being around that many people unmasked and just like crowded and partying and just it was just like a bit like the stim it was overstimulating it was a bit too much for me like not even to get into politics it just was like unnerving to be around that many people in that environment so i think i'll give it another chance everybody's i'm fully vaccinated so like i think i want to attempt some street photography in nashville because broadway certainly certainly on a daily basis provides plenty of opportunity to do so yeah and i mean you can go a hundred different ways with like themes as far as building a body of work is concerned like it sounds like it it could be really fun, but then I have to go to Broadway and have to deal with being in crowds and people. I'm like, fuck, maybe I don't. <laughs> like, maybe. So that's where I feel like my introvert stuff comes out because it's funny because I used to be obsessed with like being in crowded spaces and like being at a part of some like huge concerts, like that feeling, that rush, and even like doing festivals or whatever and being in that situation where you're between the band and the crowd and like that rush of energy. And then I go to Broadway and I'm like, mm, never mind. I just want to go home. I just want to go to bed. I'd like, rather be in my bed. <laughs> I can totally understand that feel though. Cause like it, it was Halloween here recently and there's this big um, like Lost Souls festival that happens in part of Vancouver, which was really cool. And it was neat to see, but then it was also like, 
holy shit, there's so many people here and so many of them don't have masks and no one's distancing and the pandemic's not over yet and oh shit. <laughs> it's just like, I, I just wish I was at home now. Like, it's... I mean, I say that, but then I'm like recalling like situations where I've gone to concerts. Like, I went to San Diego recently and I am not recalling it was an indoor arena. We went to a concert. I got off the plane, went directly to a concert with a friend. And I don't think we wore masks because we were drinking. Like, and I, I think, like, we were kind of distanced. Like, nobody was, like, tight. We were in the floor, and no one was tight upon one another. But still, it was like, I, like, hope I don't get sick after this. You know, like, I still have a wedding to shoot later this week, so... Uh, nothing ever came of it. Like I've been in a couple of situations where it was like that. And I was like, Oh, I was paranoid for no reason. But like, that's how paranoia works. Paranoia works. Like, how do you know when it's an appropriate paranoia, you know? Yeah. And I mean, the new world is such a weird one to navigate now. Like it's, I'm just a baby about being sick is the problem. <laughs> <laughs> like that's the, the only, like I'm self-centered and I don't want to be sick. And some people are like, oh, I got the flu and it's no big deal. And like the only times I've had the flu, it's been like a 104 degree fever for a week. And I feel like shit. And I, I feel like I'm dying. And I was like, I have kids. I can't be, I can't like take care of people if I feel like a trash. Like who's going to take care of me? So I'm just a baby. Like I don't, I don't want to risk it. Cause I, I don't know. I've had some friends who've gotten sick and I'm like, mm. No, I'd rather not. Like, some people are just good at being sick. I'm not that. I can't throw up. I can't do any of that. I'm just not good at being sick. I'm a baby. Well, it's good to know your limits. <laughs> My limits is anything that has a fever. <laughs> like, I, I'm done. <laughs> My brain is cooking, and there's not hardly anything in there anyway, so let's give it a minute. So would that be like if you're boiling water and it runs out of water and you're just boiling the pot? Dry. Yeah, just, just completely <laughs> evaporated. I'm, I'm, I'm two fevers away from no longer existing. <laughs> like, and I'm only in my 30s. Like, I'm supposed to last for like maybe 50 more years. Idealistically, like 70, but we're going to shoot for 50. Yeah, why not? I feel like there's going to be a lot of fevers in my in my future, and I was just really sad about it. I love that this is a photography chat. <laughs> well, so it's photography chat is just kind of like the name of it, and like the premise of it is um, I like photography, and I talk to a different photographer every week. Um, and there's a lot of different podcasts out there that will go over all of the different photography stuff. Like if there, if you, if you like, you know, jerking off to focal lengths and stocks and all those yeah. kinds of things. There's definitely a lot of yeah, there's lots <laughs> of podcasts out there for you. Um, but I haven't really come across many where it's like you get to, to talk with the person and get to like, yeah. Learn a bit more of them outside of like so like Canon Nikon or you like a person like you know yeah thoughts and yeah I feel like that's a big a big debate in the community because I've been a part of a lot of 
um, photography groups. So my ex-husband is Marine. So during our 14 year relationship, we like moved around a lot and I'd been a part of several different communities. And the first photography group I joined was in like Beaufort, South Carolina. And that was mostly older people who like shooting wildlife and no one ever talked about gear, which is like wild to me because like when it comes to shit like wildlife, like I feel like that's insanely important because, you know, focal length does matter. Speed does matter. Like, you yeah, know, those guys are walking around with like literal cannons <laughs> of like, 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 just like arm yeah. length lenses. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like, so I just spent 20 grand to take pictures of birds. It's just like, of birds. Yes. What? And then does nothing with them. Like, they just like post them on Instagram and like, it's a hobby, you know? Like, yeah. um, and it's funny because, like, I don't know, it brings these people just passion. So, like, the next photo groups I went into was uh, like a film group in the DC area. And those people were not particularly about gear either, but they were about growing the film community um, at the time. And that was really beautiful because they like um, the two guys who ran that group is called 202 Film Collective. And they were just like hitting the ground running and just really trying to get like cameras into people's hands and introducing them to techniques. And they would do cute like little um, developing nights or um, like little critiques or like little workshops, go to different museums, different exhibits or um, screens of movies shot on film too. And that was really cool. And then San Diego has beers and cameras, which also has different locations all over the country slash also in Europe too, I think. Word up the one. Yeah. He, amazing. Yeah. So <laughs> I think he's in Berlin with Big Head Taco right now still. Or somewhere in Germany. Shut up. That's yeah, they went cool. to, they went to a big Leica thing and um Taco There are a lot of Leica bros in beers and cameras. <laughs> no, I never noticed that at all. They seem more like a North <laughs> But I, I think there is like where I feel like people, because it's such a big group, people really like to get into that heated debate of like, does gear matter? And like, when it comes down to it, like, I mean, it matters for what you're using it for. Like, if you're using it properly, it matters. But like, I mean, I don't know. I feel like every, every camera, every lens has a point and a purpose. Like, it's definitely well, true that like the best camera you, you know, the best camera is the one you have for sure. But if you don't know how to use it, then no, <laughs> it's not great. <laughs> like no camera is just going to save you. It's not just going to do the work for you. And I think that's a part of the conversation that people, whenever they get into that type of debate, just miss out on no gear, not gear, learning how to use different types of gear. But what do you mean? I spent 30 grand on this Leica and it should make me amazing, right? Yeah. You just go take some street photos. Hashtag Leica. You'll be fine. Yeah. Hashtag stay broke shoot film. <laughs> You'll get at least 120 likes on that. So. Well, it depends though. So if you're shooting Cinestill in it and you're taking pictures of old cars, neon or gas stations, <sighs> then you'll totally nail it. 
I feel like you know what kills me is the last time I was in California I did take a picture of an old car on film and that's not who I am (laughs) not who I am but I was like I don't know I got this camera and I'm here but also like the couple I was shooting for this wedding ended up taking photos with the car so like I have the car by itself and I haven't developed it yet so we'll see if that turns out but I was like, even if this turns out well, I can never share it. Like it can never, I just can't be that person. Cause there's a lot of those people. And I just, I just, I don't want to be a stereotype. <laughs> but that's what gets the likes. <laughs> Fuck the likes. I don't care about the likes. I just don't want to be a stereotype. <laughs> that's Do what you like. And, and that's the thing that I, I kind of, struggle with the the most with it when talking with some people is like just do what you like yeah and figure out what makes you happy don't get possessed by like trying to create something for other people like you know unless that's what really gets you off and then just go nuts doing that but like like i don't know i Uh. i don't like taking other people's photos which is why I don't do anything for hire because I like taking pictures for me and I don't yeah. like doing it for anyone else. There are a lot of really fucking talented photographers who do that. Like, um, there's this guy, Ray, who comes to beers and cameras and he always like has these sick, like Frankenstein bodies. Um, like, I feel like he has a Hassie with an Instax wide back, if I'm not mistaken. Nice. Um, but, like, he has, like, several of these different, like, Frankenstein bodies um, with some sort of instant film back. And he takes these beautiful portraits and he just, like, hands them out like candy. And I'm like, come on, we know that, like, instant film is not the cheapest thing in the world. But, like, I asked him several times because they're so, they're so fucking good because, like... Oh, just, is it... Is it a Polaroid 600 that he put an instant back on? Because there's a dude that came to the film Padea in 2019. It's probably Ray. Like, yeah. <laughs> and he gave me a portrait on Instax Wide with like a, a goose that was all like dolled up. I mean, probably. I know there's several people who do a lot of that. And I know Dave has like a really cool setup for his instant film and his like pull apart. I was going to say, like, I, you know. You've chatted with him before about like I have his, his book just came out actually yeah I'm I'm in his book yeah so yeah. I haven't got a copy yet and I need to get on that because I can't wait to see everybody who's in there Dave um, took the most amazing photo of me that has ever been taken and it's it's in that book I I love it so much yeah uh, where is it here uh, fuck's sakes. Talk about underrated photographers, because I feel like he's definitely one of them. And he's so passionate and so loving and so caring. Yeah, I've seen this one. Yeah. I definitely have. I, I, I love, love that. And yeah, yeah, Armand at the Denton Camera Exchange in Denton, Texas, put Dave and I up. We crashed over at his place at the last Policon. Oh, in so Texas. cool. You know, we got Tex-Mex in the middle of the night. What were you guys doing in Texas? Um, Policon. Okay. So every every uh, last weekend of September um, in Denton, Texas, they put on a weekend-long Polaroid adventure called Policon. And um, it starts on the Friday when they kick off the Texas State Fair. 
Okay. And it goes on until Sunday. And, uh, you know, up until COVID, I'd been going down, like, you know, for a couple of years. And, uh, yeah, I, I got a chance. Like, the last time I was down there, which was the 2019, no, I didn't do 20, the 2018 one. Um, I got to see see Dave and uh, he took that photo then because he's working on his his project and yeah he's a wild man he's just like I flew out here but I don't really know where I'm staying and I'm like shit dude <laughs> like, yeah just come I'm sure Armando I feel like you guys do stuff like that for sure <laughs> I'm kind of doing that this weekend I'm flying back to Toronto for the week and I don't really have a lot of set plans of where I'm staying I'm just like I bought a ticket and I'm going <laughs> I mean, I did that the last time I was in San Diego. Like, I was flown out for a wedding, but, like, the bride and groom, like, booked me for some extra days. And I was, like, I was so busy in the weeks leading up that I didn't have time to, like, plan out. So, like, maybe 48 hours, I just, like, threw something on Instagram. I was, like, I don't want to be here. Help. I have no plan. <laughs> and it's never a problem, but, like. I need an adult. Jesus Christ. Then people get mad because you didn't visit them when you were in town you're like I had no time to plan I'm sorry yeah that's the one thing I'm not looking forward to about next week is like there's just not enough time when you're on those trips and like people get upset and yeah because yeah. they missed you it's for sure but I mean how often do you go back to Toronto this will be the first time I've been back since I moved so okay and you moved two three years ago no, I moved in May. Oh, this year? Yeah. I mean, that's like, what, six months? That's like a lifetime in COVID years. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, like it, I'll be lucky if I make it back to San Diego once every six months. I think I, I'm shooting for that goal now. But I just, I feel like that's one of the few places, like, I built, built such, like, good rapport. And I have clients there who actually, like, pay extra and value film. Um, and because I'm a lazy person, like I value those clients more than anything. Cause the thing I hate about shooting digital is sitting down in front of my computer, calling and then editing to make it look like it was shot on film. I'm like, or hear me out. You can just pay a little bit more and, and you get your photos back. So like, um, I, the, the second shooter I, I hired for this last wedding I shot there, um, she works at Nelson photo lab actually. And so she, she gets her film developed. And like I said, they do like hour turnaround, same day turnaround. So she had her um, film images back to me before I'd ever even loaded the memory cards onto my computer <laughs> to see the bride and groom stuff. I was like, here you go. Sada sent over um, her film images. So that's wild. I mean, yeah. I mean, <laughs> In a lot of cases, film is even faster than digital. Like, if you're in a, a city who has a lab, like... So, when you're doing um, projects like that, like, do you keep the negatives or do you give them... Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I still it's the same as your digital. Like, I still own the rights to all of my images and always will. And if, you know, 20 years from now, the bride and groom, like, um, those were her images and I still have mine that I need to send out um, because... Fun fact, Nashville doesn't have a camera store anymore. What? Not at all. So I think the last time I was here shooting a music video with a friend, um, they had, I think it was called Juries or something like that. They had a camera store. 
Um, and it was massive. And I actually loaded up on film because it's slightly cheaper than it was in California. And um, even though the sales tax is kind of crazy here, but there's no other taxes. Anyways, like I got really stoked about that. So I moved here and I was going to make a huge uh, backdrop paper order when I first got here. And I was like, oh, instead of ordering online where it costs $75 to ship paper, I'm going to go down and pick it up. And I go down there and it shut down and then I hop online and it shut down during COVID. Like COVID was the uh -huh. thing that killed them. So officially speaking, Nashville has no camera store. Um, Third Man, uh, which is like the White Stripes, Jack White studio place. Um, Third Man has um, a dark room where you can drop off film and they sell some rolls of film there. And they have like, I think like maybe some special collaboration like Polaroids, but they, it's not like a camera store. Like if I needed backdrop paper or like rental gear or something like that, no. Not for me. <laughs> well, that, that could be a business opportunity for you. Oh, no. no, 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 no. <laughs> I know somebody needs to do it because it's like, I know for a fact, because there's so many musicians, so many people, they have um, stores and places for rental for people who shoot like productions. So like, I know that these things exist. There's tons of studios. Like, I know there's a need for it. So it's just wild to me. Like the one store that was here is gone. Um, so yeah, now, now I'm going to send out most of my film and I have to order everything online for the most part. Have you ever tried using uh, Underdog? In What's that? Oakland? Underdog Film Lab, Brian Brooks. and I've uh, never even heard of that one. I mean, there's a bazillion labs now. Uh, so it's it's a film lab that Brian Brooks and Jesse Hitchens started, and it's rooted in another lab that had been in the Bay Area for a really long time that the guy decided to retire, and they all work there, and they're like, we can't let this go. So they, like, resurrected it, and um, they do mostly mail order. And, oh, that's uh, cool. Really super great lab, so... I've noted. You know what's kind of sad is I'm going through this like for a while. I was I was dropping off at Third Man because um, they do they do the the same thing that a lot of other people are doing now. The same thing that Dave does, and um, I'm actually going to send out my film to my friend Adam. I think his is called Full Frame Lab, maybe. Okay. I was like, I might have to look on Instagram, um, but he does the same thing with the. Um, the DSLR scanning technique. So you get like the full frame. Um, I feel like I've been trying out all my friends like labs and all that, that everybody's started a lab during COVID, you know? So I'm like, yeah, instead of developing myself and scanning myself, I, I hate scanning so much. Like that, some people love it. Some people absolutely adore the process. Like I lent my flatbed out to my friend uh, Joe there in San Diego um, for him to scan all of his negs. And I was like, fucking have it. Cause I'm going to keep sending mine out. Like I don't even care anymore. My time is valuable and I'm not sitting here in front of this thing. I fucking hate scanning so much. I can't stand it. It's the worst. I don't care. You you can bring me silver fast. I great. I love that there's cool software. Fuck it. I, it still takes it still takes like forty five minutes. I like, I hate it. 
Yeah, and then you still have to fuck around with it after. Yeah, like, then I gotta go edit, and I gotta clean up all of this, like, lint and, like, fucking debris. Like, no. No. Uh -uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. That That's the one thing that, like, keeps me from doing more dev at home, is that it's just, like, cool. Like, I like the dev part. That's fun, like, doing yeah. all that. But then once I have them, if I'm not going into the dark room to, like, make prints... Then I'm like, fuck, now I have to scan these. Yeah, I fuck, don't... I have to scan these. This is exactly the I haven't even, um, that's not true. I did, a, I did a project recently where I had to scan some Polaroids. And I'm not even crazy with how the scans of the Polaroids came out. But outside of that scanning the Polaroids, I have not even broke out my scanner the entire time I've lived here. I moved here in March. I don't even, we're in November now fuck that thing <laughs> like i hate it i hate it so much like Tell it's me so really time consuming i don't have time for it but our, my friend scott in san diego has his own naritsu and he actually got one before um rob with his lab and i like that would be my dream is to have my own naritsu like but now they're like batshit crazy expensive because i feel like everybody's shooting film again I think he got his for like, I feel like it was under 4,000 if I'm remembering correctly. And I'm like, you would never now. There's no way. Oh, they're insane. <sighs> Stephanie's like, I don't even own a scanner. <laughs> At all. What's, I'm like, Stephanie, how do you scan your images? Or do you just always just send out? And that's the other thing is like, um, so when I, when I used to send my stuff to Darkroom um, and I get like, lower medium res scans and I self scan them at the house even with solar fast the colors would be so incredibly different like the results I was getting and even like tweaking and tweaking and tweaking like I couldn't get the color palette to be what it looked like on someone else's scan and that's another that's another version that I have the Fuji Natura 1600s is I have excuse me the dark room scans versus my scans and the the tones are wildly different. Yeah, because like scanning in itself is like a total art form, like getting it right and nailing that. Yeah. It's just not for me. I I had this like fantasy at one point where I'm like, oh, I'm totally going to save so much money. I'm going to develop all my shit at home and scan it. And that like lasted two rolls. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That, I mean, that's about right. I was like, I should go through like the stuff that I self scan. And I feel like uh, maybe I got to five. <laughs> like Maybe I got to five rolls. And I was like, yeah, this is stupid. And I don't like it. And I, I'm fine that I wasted $50 on like the software or whatever, like, and how much ever I paid like 200 and something dollars for the scanner. I'm like, yeah, I don't yeah, I do want to do this again. I'll pay the extra money for someone else to do this. I do scan a lot for Polaroid, so, like, I use ViewScan, and that's been great with, like, this Epson thing, but I think I might try fucking around with the DSLR scanning, because, like, I have all these negatives from my parents. Um, so, are you going to build, like, the light contraption to get, to do the DSLR scanning? I have, like, a, a copy stand from an old and larger that I okay. realized that I could, because I realized the enlarger head was detachable from the copy stand i'm like that's kind of cool and then i had an old manfrotto tripod and i took the ball head off of it and i'm like holy shit it just like fits right onto the copy stand and okay so that's kind of amazing 
Yeah, and I already have like a four by five light source that I had for like looking at negatives. So I just need to figure out a way to like just keep it flat, easy. And I started fucking around with just like I bought a couple of like shitty um, four by five um, picture frames from the dollar store that had glass in them. And I like sandwiched it in there just to fuck around with it to see if it works. But I think I need to buy some anti-Newton glass to. Like, okay. I was like, this is where I want to, like, we should bring a third person in. I'm like, we'll pull Dave on there. Because I feel like when I was starting to scan myself, he was talking about how he has, like, a machine for, like, compressed air to, like, constantly, because he scans so many negatives. And I'm like, that's what I need, a machine. Because that's little, that. like, canned compressed air. That's some bullshit. <laughs> like, yeah, you got to have, like, the compressor machine. And, like, he's, he's like, Dave has a serious lab in his, his house. Like, yeah. You know, yeah. us hobbyists are not going to have that kind of shit. No, no. But I mean, like, also, like, he's been so, like, open with sharing his stuff with, on, like, on YouTube. Like, all you have to do is look for the information. And I think that's kind of, like, the best part about the film community is, like, everybody puts the information out there. Like, you can learn how to do all this shit yourself, but yeah, do, so, like, do you want to? Shit. Yeah, and well, that's the thing, it's, like... <laughs> There's all the information out there to to do these things, but yeah, exactly. Do you want to? Um, I mean, like, it's interesting. Like the wealth of information that's out there on the internet and Google and YouTube, even outside of photography. So I used to work in healthcare, and um, I was working on this project where we needed to set up physicians with access to computer resources, and so I had to interview all of these different groups on like what applications were the most important things they needed to do their their job functions and I got absolutely horrified when I was interviewing the operating theater because the top two applications that they requested that they it was imperative that they had them on their computers in the operating theater were YouTube and Google that's all <laughs> those were the top two there's other applications but I'm like Yo, what, what? So you have like someone cut open on the slab and you're working on them and you're like legit YouTubing how to's on like what what you're doing with this person? Or it's like, we nick this vein. Quick, get on the Googles and figure out what we do. First of all, I support this because I'm like a huge, like I 100% believe you can, if you want to, if you want to, and that's the keywords, if you want to, you can literally learn how to do anything on on YouTube, anything. We, we can fix an artery if you want. Like, <laughs> but I mean, that's like, if you're doing that DIY, I could totally see that. But it's like, if you're checked in at a hospital and you're like going in for like a pre procedure. You, you don't want to see your surgeon doing that, no. Yeah, I don't want to see like my surgeon <laughs> like hitting up Google being like, how do I do liver transplant? It's like, Oh, guys, I've never done these before, so let's get on here. It's like, you know, Dr. Nick Riviera is, like, your fucking doctor there. It's, it's crazy. Bye, I've Rosie. totally seen this on, like, a Reddit forum or something where, like, a, a doctor had, like, dialed the wrong number and just got some girl, and he was, like, trying to reach, like, a colleague and go through his problem, and she just did, like, a Google search. And she's like, well, I'm not a doctor, but this is what I found from Google. And he was like, thank you. Like... You just did in five minutes what all of these people couldn't do in several hours. So, I mean, there's something to that. Like, there are people who are good at Googling. I mean, yeah, like, 
I'm I'm one of a semi-professional Googler for work, so like, I'm not. Know, I'm so bad at it. This is where I have like my girlfriend's like stealth like Google shit for me. Like you stalk this person for me. I'm bad at it. Well, so <laughs> not not necessarily stalking, but yeah, it it's kind of terrifying the level of information on the internet about all of us all of the time um yeah it's it's definitely curious have you ever googled yourself just out of curiosity oh for sure yeah absolutely and i'm a little bit upset because um while it used to be very easy to google me i have a weird name so i'm super easy to google like so it used to be um especially because like after i put my like website and everything up I used to be the only one, but now there's like an insurance claims adjuster who has the same name, who is like very number two. So I'm like, not even seeing my work anymore. I'm just seeing this lady who is getting her grind on, honestly, because if she's worked to get up there after this many years. Working like Geico or some shit like that or something? I think so. <laughs> I was like Geico State Farm, something like that. I was like, uh, and then I joked about changing my name to daddy because I thought, a female artist having the name daddy would be fucking dope. I remember that. We were yeah, but all my, I just, I worried that all my friends would think I was insane. So I wasn't trying to pull like, but she's gone crazy. I mean, there's nothing wrong with being a little bit insane. No, also, I just think it's a really good name. Like people have too many connotations to it, but I think it'd be a really good name. I still stand by that. It's, it would be a dope name. And there are people in the industry who are named that. There's a guy who does video editing, and I think he works at GQ, and his name is Daddy. Like, legit, his... Legitimately. His like, like, his parents named him Daddy. Interesting. Yeah. So I'm like, well, that guy's named it. Why, like, why can't I? I don't know. Oh, my God. My MySpace still fucking exists. <laughs> what? <laughs> Are all of your photos still on there? Because all of mine are gone. Like, let's see. If they were loaded before like 2005, they no longer exist. And that is probably the most heartbreaking thing. Oh, man. There is some like, not super embarrassing, but like, Jesus, this shouldn't be in the world anymore. I don't know if my photos were embarrassing, but I do know for the longest time, and this is actually like one of the things that kind of like, before my husband knew me, made him want to know me, is, um, or ex-husband rather, is there was a shot of me on my, <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> oh my God, this brown jacket I'm obsessed with. Uh, these are some ex-coworkers that I had. My boss at the time though, legit looked like he could have like been a Frankenstein like guy. He was- Yeah, so no, weird. I totally see that. What is this, like 2006? Uh, yeah. I think it's yeah. exactly like 2006, 2005. Yeah, I totally got that vibe. <laughs> I was like, those the, the color of those jeans kind of gave that away. <laughs> yeah, it was. That was the generation. That was yeah. it. I was like, oh, I have a ton of those. So I used to hang out at the what they called the park in Huntsville, Alabama, and it was just like misfits in the night. Um, but everybody still had like the wide Jinko jeans and the like trip pants. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, like all the metal heads and like the alt kids. 
So what about echo? Did you ever get into an echo phase or? I don't think so. I don't even know what that is. Is that echo like an jeans, offshoot like... of like the Jinko gene? No, no. So there's like this dude named Mark Echo from like. Oh, uh, yes. I do remember this. Okay. So this was popular yeah, at the same time as like. The, what is it called? Like fat or something like that? Yeah. Like fat farm. It was like. Yes. So like when same, Timberland same and fat farm and like all that shit like was like super popular. I was like, yeah. I was like, I definitely got some prints in here. <laughs> Oh, that, that like chain wash color like brought it all back. <laughs> yeah, but that's what I was talking about. Like that's such a, that was such a huge era for disposable cameras. And now there are people who are get, who are getting paid tons of money to like bop around backstage at these like really wicked awesome events with disposable cameras because that's like their thing. And it's like, bitch, I've been doing this for like 15 years. like. Please. That's oh. great. Do what? I, I haven't Googled myself in a while. And this is hilarious because, like, the last time I, I Googled myself, it was embarrassing because there was, like, some, like, fucking shit from when I was, like, a little nerdy kid in, like, Boy Scouts. And it's, like, no, I, I love like that. That's kind of amazing. It's gone now. Now it's just photography stuff. It's just No, that's great. Stuff. Yeah, that's what we want. <laughs> you're, yeah. So you're bummed about it? I'm a little bummed about it because, like, you know. I didn't save any of that shit because I'm like, oh, I could just always Google it if I wanted to like feel shitty about myself. Oh, I get, I, like, I get the idea of that, but like, yeah, no. Mm -mm. Yeah. I'm not, I don't, like, I was gonna say, I don't Google myself often. I've, I've done it like probably about once a year to see like how my business page is doing. But other than that, and I haven't done it since I moved to Clarksville because I haven't updated most things like, I don't know. I don't, I know having a web presence is important, but like, is it really? This is fun, because instead of going through MySpace, I'm just going through a box of prints. I miss that, like, um, everybody printed their work all the time. Well, and that's one thing that's important, too, is like, if you, if you haven't ever printed your work, you don't do it often, you totally mm -hmm. should, every once in a while, if you're like ordering if you're dropping film off and the place that you're getting it dev and scanned at does printing like i mean seriously oh look here's one i was talking about. oh it's got a gloss finish i hate that you get the pants there like oh shit kind of amazing right but you Those can are... tell about what what year this is what was that like, like 2002 <laughs> i think it was 2004 2000 oh march 2005 Oh, that's um, another thing. It's just the fucking dates are printed on the back. <laughs> that's a thing we miss. Yeah. I don't think I have any photos that old, but I do have some printed stuff here. Oh my gosh. I have so much old shit. Like, that's, I mean, it's not true. I don't think I have anything on my person that's pre 90s, negative wise. I think I have several from like early 2000s. Let's see what we got here. Oh, this is terrible. None of these. So this terrible. is the only thing you used um, disposable cameras for is just crotch shots. Yeah, well, just like party pictures, just like people, like passed out in like awkward positions. <laughs> like that's all. That's all you did, and paraphernalia. Like 
but Perfect. now you guys have internet and like post things on your snapchats <laughs> so i'm so happy cool. i'm was... so happy the internet was not like a huge huge thing like when we Me were growing, when i was growing up yeah like i did i did not need people to see what i was doing <laughs> This is from the first roll of film I ever shot oh. after not shooting. In it looks like there's some like cloud or fog there coming uh, over the mountain. I think it's the light from. Oh, probably. I was but like, that would be sick. This is the first roll I shot after not shooting for like 10 years in 2017. And like when I got these photos back, I like cried a little bit. It was. What year was this? Um, these are from 2017. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it, I got all like teary eyed. This, oh man, so this was like one of my when I first moved to Toronto to like do the tech job out there. This was my first sales wife out there. That's Rodney. I call him Rod Dog. I was gonna say, every time you call him your sales wife, I'm like, hee <laughs> Yeah, I've had a few sales wives. Rodney was one of my favorites, I liked him. He's a funny guy. And uh, <laughs> we we had to take a trip for work. So Rodney and I worked on the Eastern team. And out of 30 people on that team, we were two out of the four colored guys. Out of okay. 30 people. Rest of them were like all rich white dudes because it's like tech sales. So I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Months. And we got, um, we, we do these like, Every quarter they do like a, a quarterly business review where you go and like review the previous quarter and talk about the next quarter. And um, we had gotten approval to do our um, QBR at the Greenbrier in White Sulphur Springs, uh, Virginia, which is like a super fancy place. It used to be like the backup. Where for, like, Sulphur West Springs? Springs? It sounds familiar. It's like an hour and a half or two hours away from Roanoke. So it's like you have to fly into Roanoke and then you have to like drive through the fucking sketchy mountains with no fucking cell So it's not, it's not off of 95 then. Okay. No. Okay. It was super sketchy, but it was funny. Like when we were on the team call and the guy's like, great news, everyone. We got approved to go to the Greenbrier and... They're all, all the white dudes are like, fuck yeah. And they're all excited. And I'm like, what? And then Rodney's like, bro, like, the fuck what is, is the green fryer? Yeah, he didn't know what it meant. And I wasn't really super stoked about it. But when we got there, it was kind of like a sketchy moment because we, um, <laughs> luckily they gave us like the, the Abrams tank of rental cars. I got like a full length brand new suburban is my rental car and i was like really man like this is what you're giving me but then you know to drive through these like sketchy racist hills it was a great car to be in. i was but about to ask like <laughs> as a white person am i supposed to know what the Greenbrier is because like i don't <laughs> it depends on how much you paid in taxes <laughs> <laughs> i'll never know i will always be bottoms here Forever. I mean, I shoot film, so we know where I live. It's a, 
fancy like golf course that used to be part of like the pro golfers tour and things like that like oh that's totally funny that's even funnier because i worked at a golf course and i don't know shit about golf like i, I mean, worked at a golf course for like two years literally golf. don't know shit other than how to fill a gas golf cart up with I mean, that's all you need to know is like how run to a cash a register <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the secret to golf is, like, just being able to drink beer and drive those carts. And it's, like, the only place where drunk driving is really, like, not frowned upon. Yeah, that's a great point. This is kind of, like, bowling for me mentally. Is, are they sports if you're allowed to drink while you're doing them? Yes. Yeah? And it's just unfortunate that all the other sports don't let you get wasted. Like, could you imagine how much more interesting football could be if all those guys were getting tanked? I was I was about to say the same thing about hockey, but I know firsthand that a lot of the guys who are playing hockey are 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 tanked. <laughs> so, <laughs> so is it really any different then? <laughs> I guess not. But god dang, I was going to say like bowling. And golf are the things I think about when it comes to, like, drinking and sports. And they have to be, like, the most dull sports to watch. Well, and so you mentioning bowling and golf in the same thing is making me think of a cinematic masterpiece, The Big Lebowski. Yes. When the guy pulls the bowling ball out and he's like, the fuck is this? And Jeff Bridges is like, obviously, you're not a golfer. Very, very, yeah. I was gonna say, you know, I didn't even see the Big Lebowski and, until I moved to San Diego a couple years ago, and I saw half of it at a brewery in Maryland and half of it at a brewery or a bar in um, in San Diego. So, I've never sat down and watched the Big Lebowski all the way through. Really, never once in all of my life, never. Oh man. Yeah, Highly I was like, and, and it, it's one of those movies like you get the references. Like, of course, I, like, understand the references, but I've never watched it the whole way through. It's, like, A Clockwork Orange, like, any... There's a lot of, like, popular, like, culty movies that, like, all of my peers are into, and I'm, like, I've literally never seen this movie. Just not a movie person? Or no, just... I love movies. Absolutely fucking love movies. What's your favorite <laughs> movie? Oh. Oh, that's a hard one. What movie okay, am I top, in? Top three movies. Oh, so I'm going to go with the old classic top, top number one movie. Fuck it. I'm just going to say it. I'm going to say it right now. It is Robin Hood, the Disney version. Okay. Number one movie. <laughs> like that's it. Hands down. I don't feel like that's a film. There's not the same level of acting, but if it's ever on or I'm ever around it, I'm going to watch it. Um, I feel like, Pretty Woman's another one of those types of movies. Like, I'm going to watch it. Most things with Julia Roberts, I'm probably going to watch it. Um, yeah, I was like, I don't know. I've, I've had this, like, really weird thing in the past few years where I've been into rom-coms, especially um, bad ones. Like, Netflix has a lot of, like, extraordinarily horrible. Like, they're not well-written. They're not yeah. well-shot. The acting is horrific, but I'm here. I'm going to, I'm going to sit here until I figure out who thought it was a good idea to fund this movie. Like that's like what it does is it puts into perspective of like, because like I, before I was shooting photo, I wanted to go to school um, to be a director. So like 
I wanted to make films. I wanted to make films move forward. I wanted to create these things and have like vision come out. So it, what it does is it puts into perspective, oh, these shit things can get funding. Then what is wrong with my good idea? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, so you're like a reverse Kubrick then. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> so so Kubrick, the you mentioned Clockwork Orange, like he was the the guy that yeah. did that one, but he started as a photographer and ended up becoming a cinematographer. Yeah. And what made him really different in like all like the different field of uh people in his time was he didn't look at cinematography from like a cinematographer's eye. He looked at it from a photographer's eye. Right. Like what are these stills going to look like? Yeah, I love exactly. that. That's kind of amazing. But you were like, I wanted to be a cinematographer and then you became a photographer. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I, I mean, I could tell you why I did it and like how I started like shooting on purpose. Cause like, I've been documenting like dumbass parties and stuff like that for as long as I can remember. Like that's just a part of who I was in my teen years. Like I was definitely like disposable camera girl at the party taking pictures that probably no one, you know, blackmail photos. <laughs> like, but that's just like who I was. And that's like part of our friend group is like, have the walls of like nonsensical photos and like when your friends come over you can like look at this gallery of like hilarity um but to go from that to I don't know I I had a career uh short-lived and you know part-time career as a model and to be hanging out um with all these creatives um, especially when it comes to runway, hair people, makeup people, um, your agents, um, the directors for the show, the designers, all of that. And to see all these moving pieces come together and to be backstage, because it takes hours, sometimes upwards of like 10 hours, 12 hours being backstage, hair, makeup, all that to get ready for a show that like when you're a model, you're only on stage for like, what, 10 seconds, like. Yeah. You're out there and back. Like, there's all this work that goes into that. So I just started documenting backstage stuff. And then that went to um, doing editorial stuff, hanging out with all the models, like having all these ideas of like shoots that I wanted to be a part of, but like no photographers were like kind of like feeling the pitches that I was making. So I just got to a point where I was like, fuck it, I'll shoot it myself. Um, so I started doing that. Like if I couldn't shoot it myself, uh, doing like a self portrait, like now as a photographer, I know we call this a self portrait series at the time I was just doing like self editorial stuff, um, and working with like stores to do styling or whatever. And then it went into, what do you call, um, having other model friends like pose for me and they're like, Oh, these photos are really great. I could definitely use more work for my book and then getting that agency approval like of of like models so like agents were good with using those for those books I was like oh I I really have something here like I'm really on to something and it went into fashion and I started doing it that way and I think if you look at fashion I mean that new Gucci movie's coming out like fashion is usually very cinematic like you can yeah, tie yeah. in all these art forms to say something because 
you know, when it comes to clothing, you're supposed to say something. So just tying in that beauty there and tying in that cinematic nature of like, what is the story that we want to tell with these images? Like a lot of people will be like, oh, that's fine art, but it's not like, like fine art is tied into everything. Like what, are, it, it has to come down to like, what are the stories? What's the story that we're going to tell with these images? And that's, that's true in fashion, Wait, that's true thought, in documentary. I thought fine art was just like black and white nudes of ladies judging from like. I mean, the internet. I'm sitting here looking. Oh, God, I kind of get pissed off when I think about that. I'm like, yeah, like <laughs> just take some pictures of naked people and good lighting, and boom, you're Nothing an artist. Like, not even good lighting. It's just like naked. Oh, I was like, mine have good lighting. <laughs> no, no, like you're you're, right, you're totally right. Like they're, I mean, I've definitely taken a lot. I've taken several workshops where it's been nude art workshops and. You know, <laughs> like it is what yeah. it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Pat made a comment that disposables are the best. She used to take one everywhere. Yeah. And Waster of Silver says it's like all those eighty ski patrol type movies. Those are great, and I have to agree. I fucking love ski patrol when I was a kid. That was one of my favorite yeah. favorite movies. Is it Live Fast, Die Young? I don't even. Yeah. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> That's another thing. I don't have any exposure to like outside stuff. I need to expose myself to more things. That's fair. So you're in San Diego and you decided to go back to Tennessee. Like it was what made you want to leave San Diego? Oh, I didn't want to. <laughs> oh. No, I didn't want to. Uh, I couldn't afford to live there. Uh, my mortgage in Tennessee is a quarter of what my rent was living okay. on a military base there in a duplex so yeah as san diego is real fucking expensive and i went from being a family unit to a single parent so i kind of just i don't have like a root system per se mm -hmm. so i kind of just like picked a random place um clarksville seemed to have good numbers when i ran the numbers as a person who loves numbers not a fan of just running the numbers anymore because there's you got to put some things into motion you can't just base life off of numbers but i was torn between clarksville i mean i, I would have liked to have been closer to nashville for sure but i couldn't afford nashville straight out the gate so clarksville was a safe bet and richmond virginia was another one that I was considering because they have a really good arts community there um but the schools were not rated as well and it was a little bit more expensive and my ex's family would have been terribly close. So I just thought that would be a little awkward in the first year of a separation to have like my in-laws so down my neck. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, nobody wants <laughs> that. That's fair. So Clarksville was just kind of like a, you did some research and you're like, yeah, this makes the most sense from like, you know, certain statistics. Yeah. There's no... Yeah. It's an interesting way to go about it because I don't think I'd ever make a move away. But no, I'm no one ever would. <laughs> but I don't I don't I think I have a unique living situation and I don't think a lot of people share that and it, and that is like I don't have like family. Like I could go back to like where I went to high school, but I went to two different high schools, like 
Um, and like, do I want to do that? Do I want to like come crawling back with my tail between my legs? Or do I just want to like roll the dice and see if I can make it somewhere else? Like, I don't know. It just, I, I don't know. I feel like whenever you go, if you, if you're a person who like moved away from home early and you go back into that, it feels like it could be stagnating, which is funny. Cause I feel like I've kind of been stagnated here, but I think I, you know, like being around those old people, you can get into old patterns and things like that. Yeah. So it was like, you deal with the people who like knew you in this season of your life. And so they treat you like you're still in that season in your life, even if it's been 15 years and it's like, mm -mm, no, that's not who I am any longer. That's not who I want to be. So I just have to go be somewhere where no one knows me and I can just be who I am and just create that person from scratch or in that image from scratch and that persona in the community from scratch. So I just took a risk and I'm not crazy about it. I'm gonna give it like, I say, I always say 12 more months, but now it's probably like 10 more months. I'm gonna give it like 10 more months. If I don't like it, I'm gonna rent my house out and be somewhere else. I'm not crazy about it. It's definitely not San Diego. I felt really at home there and really a part of a community there. And just, I mean, it's easy. It's, I think it's easy to do in San well, Diego. California's yeah. got a vibe. Like it's. It does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I, the first, so 2021 and 22 or something like that, I lived south of Fresno in California. Different vibe completely. Yeah, so, I mean, all of California is different for sure. Um, but yeah, no, I just felt like so at home in San Diego and like a part of something like the community was so open. And I think because there are so many film photographers there, you know, you do have that community. Yeah, I still have not made it to San Diego yet. The closest I've gotten was San Clemente when I went down for the oh. thing. I was like, yeah, so a couple of years before, a year exactly before we uh, got orders to San Diego, um, my ex-husband's grandmother's funeral was in um, in the Los Angeles area and we stayed in San Clemente, San Clemente. And we drove down to San Diego to do some brewery tours. <laughs> and it was funny because we were like right across the street where we from where we would live a year later and we had no idea. That's but San Clemente is beautiful and yeah such, and it's so like gorgeous cute there. town vibes like small town vibes like the breweries are smaller yeah Wait, what was, are you doing in san clemente um i was there for the darkroom lab that's so. what i thought yeah it was it was a lot of fun um my partner at the time we flew into los angeles and then rented a car and drove down from la to san clemente and took the pch and yeah um, cool cool drive oh i love that i'm hoping like some like film photo events open next year and we can like start doing events again because that was one of the events that i wanted to go to um that i was looking forward to in 2020 and i was like yeah <laughs> i was looking forward to it too because like the 2019 one was such a great adventure. it looks amazing it was so much fun and it was like so many cool people and um <laughs> i 
was talking with Grant Britton there, and he's just like, oh, you should have gone to Huntington Beach. You probably could have ran into Ed Templeton. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, he hangs out at the pier there all the time. And I'm like, we did stop there, but we didn't go to the pier because it just looked too busy. And I was like, son of a bitch. Um, but yeah, I, I really like his work and his wife's work. I just actually picked this up, which I'm super stoked about, is uh, Deanna's latest book. Oh, cool. He said, and it's really cool. Like, just been digging into it a bit, but it's like, her writings over the years oh shut the front door and then like black and white photos that like pair up oh, some color too uh but just like photos that pair along with her writings and stuff and it's still available if you go on her instagram um you can you can pick it up and they do still have some signed copies left which have like a little photo in the back that's signed by her oh that's so cute yeah. Oh, I love the tones of that. The pink it's paint cool. is really cute. Yeah, it's uh, if, if you want to grab a copy, check out her um, her Instagram. I think it's just Deanna Templeton. Okay, that's easy to find. Yeah, really cool book. I've been enjoying it so far. That's really cute. I was like, there's like, I was like, I still need to get Dave's book. I still need to pay for Stephanie's zine. <laughs> oh yeah, that's supposed to be coming soon. She's already released it. Yeah. Is it, I was going to say both of them. Did you get a copy of Dave's book? I did. I, let me grab it. Where is it here? Yeah, it came out oh. really lovely. Oh, I'm so jealous. I haven't got my copy yet, so I need to get one. And, uh, yeah, it was, like, really sweet because, like, Dave had a lot of questions because, like, he'd never used Blurb before, and I've used Blurb for uh, my book and stuff. And so um, I got a few text messages with, with him when he was working on this project, and uh, it was really cool to, like, kind of be part of it in a way of that. But, like, you know, here's the real goat is Han. Oh, I was going to say, I, I listened to one of the episodes on Stitcher. How Which do you one? say, I, I was going to say, I think it was, uh, yeah, Han Fons, yeah. right? Yeah, I was going to say that was the last one I listened to. There's yeah, one. I know. It's freaking sick. <laughs> oh, it's such a good photo. Like, they're all so great. Um, we'll see you get here then. Such so a artist. Uh, like this one's mm -hmm. great. The the bokeh he got around his yeah, like so dreamy. Like I mean, he when when he's creating these portraits, he knows what he's looking for in the background. So like, it's so cool to like watch him spend that time making that happen. One well, this so this dude's really cool too. And if you ever end up going to Denton, Texas, you definitely got to go have a beer with uh with troy he's a great photographer from oh cute okay denton. so where is denton like where do <laughs> i fly into uh denton is a half hour 45 minutes outside of dallas so okay. you fly into dallas fort worth or dallas love yeah easy peasy yeah it's it's a fun trip like when when the world opens up again you definitely got to make your way down to uh to hit one up and Oh man! Like, somebody needs to remind me about Policon because that sounds like a really fun. Oh yeah, that's me next door. 
That's actually the shirt that I wore today <laughs> earlier. That's awesome. And the balls, like, the a, fluffy balls. Is that an F100? It is, yeah. That's that's primi primarily what I've been using lately. Nice. I got this can in the lawn staring at me now with a roll of film that's been in it for probably three months that I haven't finished shooting. Just haunting me. The F100 used to be like my main go-to until I picked up this chonky boy a few what? years back. And then this has been my main boy lately. What is that? Oh, okay. Yeah. Jesus Christ. I was going to say, I kind of love these because they're weapons. Like if anybody were to walk up on you, Wow. <laughs> that's the, well, and that's why I love the F5 because, like, the F100 with the grip is is definitely a beefy boy, but yeah. like the F5 um, is it's all metal. So, like, there's been a few times where it's oh, like shit. when I've been shooting street that like there's been a couple of like agitated street people that have come up and like started shit, and I was like just about ready to clock them with it, and I'm You're just like, like you know, no. Like, but like, like a literal I, brick in my hand right now. Yeah, it's like, this will fuck you up. You don't want this. Like, I love the idea of using cameras as weapons. Like, it's a little gangster, but a little bougie at the same time. Well, so the F5, I love too, because it has like an interesting story with it, with like a lot of the photojournalists and stuff that used to use it way back in the day. And, um, there's this one story I was reading of this dude that he'd gotten in a fight with his girlfriend as they were breaking up and she got pissed at him and tried to throw his F5 at him and he dodged it and it like dented the hood of her car. And then she got pissed that it like dented the hood of her car. So she tried to smash the camera on the pavement and it just like chipped the pavement but didn't break the camera. Like the lens got broken, but he's just like, yeah, I put another lens on it and like went back to work. Like, yeah, no problem. Yeah. I was going to say my, my lens has like a little chip in like the thing that holds the hood cap on or the lens cap on. I'm like, yeah, it's still functional lens. It's fine. It's going to be fine. Mine's like that too. It's got a chip in it, but I just put like a, UV filter in, and it just holds it and keeps it from like breaking anymore. Oh, yeah, that sounds smart. <laughs> like, remember, <laughs> we're talking about the evaporating brain cells. So, when oh. I get just like it's one thing I do with all of my lenses, like, I put a UV filter on them, not because I'm worried about that kind of shit, but just like I'd rather smash a UV filter than the lens. I do that with like a lot of my bigger lenses um, just to prevent like scratches and stuff. Cause I like, when am I going to have an extra like two G's sitting around? I'm not, it's not going to happen. So don't talk like that. You're going to be a baller <laughs> one day. Protect my investments. <laughs> You'll be like balling out of control. Um, <sighs> I'm stoked on this book though. Cause what I want to do and like, you're going to be one of the people I hunt down is I want to find all of these photographers and get them to sign their photos. I did that with my zine, when, the zine I did for the, um, the like, best zine. So it sounds like you spend a lot of time in California is what I'm hearing. Um, I did used to spend a bit of time in California because I used, I worked for a tech startup that was in Palo Alto. So okay. 
I'd head down to like Palo Alto Mountain View area a bit. Um, but you know, now I work for Dell and they're based out of Texas, but, um, yeah. I don't really get to go. Like I've never been to the office. Like I've been working here almost four years and I still have yet to see the Texas office. I love that you're going to let you have a job that's like now going to take you to Texas more often, possibly, or could potentially take you to Texas more often. Yeah, possibly. I yeah. do like Texas a lot. Like Denton, it's it's interesting because like um, I was really scared about going to Texas the first time I went there because I was just like not sure what I was going to run into and like I'm not a white person. So I was just like, <laughs> you know, what is, is just going to be like a bunch of racist rednecks. And I was really scared. And I ended up falling in love with Denton. It was such a cool town. Um, Cause it's almost like a little liberal arts town. And Armand has a really cool camera store there called the Denton camera exchange. And then his parents own a Tex-Mex restaurant, like literally right behind his camera store called uh, Mi Casita, which is like some of the best Tex-Mex I've ever had. Like, okay. Yeah. And so it's just like, I've been just this, the whole time through this whole pandemic, I've just been like waiting for the day where I don't have to do a whole bunch of fucking around to get on a plane so I could go to Texas and get a combo from me casita and a Tapa Chico and just like enjoy the Texas sun and have some like fucking food with my homies. I kind of love that. So I've not been to Denton, but one thing I do love about Dallas is like, I, I, um, I flew out to Texas for a photo job a couple months ago and I um, was worried about, like I had ordered some Lomachrome Purple and it didn't make it in time and that was something that I wanted to use for the job I was doing. Um, I ended up just using Cinestill and I wasn't crazy about my shots because I did this horrible thing where I ran it through the x-ray twice. Oh shit. Yeah, yeah, fucking rookie level mistake. But, um, but there's so many camera stores around Dallas, between Dallas and Fort Worth. And I was, I was like, that's amazing. Yeah, um, I called them for Lomachrome. They didn't, nobody had Lomachrome in stock, but still the fact that there were so many camera stores because in Nashville, there's no camera store. Um, you know, if I needed something, I could just take an Uber to pick something up. And I was like, that's really fucking comforting to know. And yeah, that means that they have a healthy scene there. They do. It's such a good scene. <clears throat> like it's um, it's cool. I, I think you'd enjoy spending some time out there. I definitely need to spend more time in, in Texas for sure. I've been out to Dallas a couple of times, like um, usually like family events or whatever, but not of free will. <laughs> so Joseph asks, who did you shoot in Texas? Oh, ha ha ha. Yeah, that might that might be the person who hired me for the job. Uh, that was a job. Uh, uh, Leon Bridges. Yeah, that was a fun job. It was a musician, like a like a Christmas thing for uh, um, Amazon Music. So uh, happened to see that the artist enjoyed working with a film photographer who lives there in Texas in Fort Worth, who is phenomenal. Um, she's amazing. So I tried to bring out some film and I didn't know the lighting conditions we we're going to be in. So I brought some 800 to be on the safe side. 
and I like, uh, I kicked myself. I think I brought some T-Max too, 400, and I pushed it for 800, but because I ran them all through the fucking x-rays twice, both hey. came out foggy, and I was really mad at myself. Like, I was like, this is some amateur hour bullshit, because I don't care if I'm traveling with 100, I usually hand check my film every time, all the time. I just, I just forgot both ways to hand check my film. It kills me. <laughs> I mean, it's not, they're still images and they're like, okay, but they're not what they could have been, you know? And that fog just kills the image quality so much. Dang. Yeah, I always try to avoid that with, um, with this, the x-rays and especially the new CT scanner ones. Like it doesn't matter what ISO, it'll obliterate film. So uh, that's what I'm worried about. Cause I, the wedding I shot uh, on 400, on Fortra 400, I did the same thing coming back home from California. On the way there was fine. Uh, but on the way back, I forgot. And I'm so nervous about sending those rolls out. Like, I'll be so disappointed. I mean, it's not the end of uh, 3,600 digital images. I'll be fine. The client's going to yeah. be fine. Um, but they are um, both artists and creatives themselves. And they do value film. And like my second shooter shot film and she has some like medium format that she did too. But personally, on a personal level, I'll be heartbroken if they're like fogged up images. I don't know, there's like, enough daylight, it could be like ambiance, you know? I I do this when I'm traveling, because I forget sometimes, but I'll like take a Sharpie and just like write on my hand, check <laughs> your film. <laughs> and I'm, I've, I'm, I'm not above it. Film. Honestly, I'm not above it. <laughs> like, the, the level of ADHD is getting bad. Um, I mean, it's getting real bad. I left my window down in my car last night and it rained all night long. And I was like, I deserve that. <laughs> like, you don't deserve that. No, no, no. Uh, I went to dinner with my boyfriend a couple, a few nights ago. And I we go back to get in the car and I, I'm, I'm like, I don't have my keys. My keys are not in my purse. I probably just left them in the car. It's like, not a big deal because it's Clarksville, Tennessee. Nobody probably stole my car. Walk up to a different car, not my car, turn around, see my car. My headlights are on. I'm like, oh shit, I left my headlights on. Not only did I leave my headlights on, I left the keys in the ignition. The car was running the entire time we were in the restaurant. Like, the whole fucking time. I was sober. I was completely sober when I walked into that restaurant. Like, there's no excuse for this. You see, but that's probably what saved your I need a babysitter, because... honestly. So <laughs> like, you need an adult. That's probably what saved your car, though, is because someone probably saw it running, thinking like, "Oh, whoever this car belongs to, they're going to be like right." They'll, back they'll be back it. out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we were in there for like, especially because like uh, he bought a bottle of like, um, oh my god, what is the rice wine called? Oh, all I hear, yeah, all I hear is Blake Shelton's voice in my head, being like rice wine, <laughs> but like, um. The bottle of that, I didn't even finish my beer. So like on the way of leaving, I was like a little tipsy. But I was like, come the fuck on, bro. <laughs> like, how did I leave my car running the whole time? We were in there for probably an hour at least. <laughs> like, Dang. Well, at least your AC was like running. So you get into like a nice, like, you know, 
temperate vehicle? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's a Kia. Yeah. It'll be fine. <laughs> like, <laughs> I used to do the Prius all the time, though, because it doesn't make a sound, you know, like. Oh, yeah. It, people, I'm not the only one who does that with Priuses. I know everybody does that, has done that with their Prius, so. No. Do you have any um, projects that you've got coming up that you're excited about? <sighs> You know what's funny is I've started several zines. So you show, show me that book and there's a zine I've been working on where I'm coupling images with words, um, like short verse kind of poetry, you know, type stuff. Started working on that some time ago. I did a project that I started working on, but I released it digitally. Um, it's ca called It's Personal, where I like released my personal body of work like where i'm where i'm from and just like um like three or four years of um shots that i did in the small town i'm from in kentucky and i've been trying to configure that into like a printed work um and just like the formatting is really getting at me and there's been a couple of projects that i've been wanting to do but haven't initiated yet that i really need to start but I've been kind of stagnant since I moved to Tennessee. Like, I'm not even going to lie. Like, I think coming out of the pandemic, which kind of killed a lot of people's creativity. And I've heard this on a lot of podcasts from a lot of creatives, just like not doing much of anything because so much of my work has been people centric. Um, and getting back into the swing of that, of like creating and creating with purpose and creating an actual body of work and, making sure that it's thoughtful and that not only does it mean something for me, because um, if I wanted to be selfish, you know, like, ah, oh, these are just photos I like, but also that it is story worthy and comes across, you know, like the, the, the message that I want to convey comes across clearly and is not, left just to like various interpretations well you also kind of wanted to come across as genuine too yeah and a lot of the stuff i've been shooting since i moved here is um especially with like the more personal stuff is a little bit uh i just don't want to be exploitative like i don't want to exploit people or their situations like it's important to me that things come across in a way that is storytelling from a genuine place and not exploitation um yeah. and just being extremely ethical and i think i struggle with that a lot um and i when i look at a lot of other people's work like throughout history i'm like where do you draw that line where is the difference, especially when it comes to photojournalism, like, where's that line? Where's the line of exploitation versus, you know, storytelling? Well, and I mean, that's like a tough one, too, because like, goalposts have moved a lot as we've advanced in our society now. So it's like, things that were more acceptable and like, you know, not frowned upon even five, 10 years ago, or could like, you know, get you condemned today. Yeah. Um, which is kind of a wild thing to think about. And I have had some interesting talks with 
with friends about like what is exploitative and like what could be like you know violations of people's privacy and things like that when taking photos um and i don't really like taking photos of people a lot because um i've just always worried about like getting in people's space and stuff um but i've kind of decided like for me if the photo like when i look in the viewfinder doesn't look like it's intimate or feel personal when i'm looking at it then i feel comfortable taking that photo but if it at all feels like there there's like it's a personal moment between like another person like they're having like a moment together or like you know it's like something intimate um then i don't want to take that photo other photographers would and it could be like an absolutely stunning photo but like that's just not for me and like we we got talking about this one photographer fred herzog um and she used one of his photos as an example of like is this photo a violation and let me see if i could find it here because uh, uh, like he just was like a prolific street shooter here in vancouver for ages um and like it's great that he built this body of work because we have this like documentation of like um actually do you know who divine is like, i don't do want... okay never mind then because <laughs> um, i've just been trying to figure out I think he took a photo of Divine in San Francisco, but um, I could be wrong. Um, shit, where is it here? He has so many damn amazing photos. Um, and this, oh, shit, there it is. I'm like, while you're searching for that image, this is what people with ADHD do to kill their good time. <laughs> okay, so this is the book here is... Fred Herzog, Modern Color. Okay, yes, I've seen this, yeah. And the photo that she brought up is like, uh, is this um, sort of encroaching on space was this man on the bridge one where there's this dude and he's got like some shaving cuts and he's like either keeping the sun out of his eyes or hailing a taxi or something. And then there's like a lady behind him it's such and a good image though like it's a great image and like, Yo, is this look at the like look at like the leading lines and like the stagnation like this like staggering of the the subjects like it's so good it's great and i'm like i don't think that is a, a violating photo in any way because it doesn't look like these people aren't interacting with the camera yeah. at all and they're not yeah. having they don't look bothered by the existence of the photographer exactly yeah. and so i was like you know i don't think it's a bad photo in like a violation sense because they're not bothered by the camera they're not upset by it like yeah. you know they're they're almost as pedestrian as furniture in that moment so it's like i don't think that it's it's a bad photo in that sense and a lot of his photos are like that um i typically take a lot of photos like this of people because i'm like if it's the back of their heads they can't get angry about it <laughs> also if it's the back of their heads you can use it as stock photos and make money off of it <laughs> that's true yeah <laughs> but it's um this is a fantastic book if if you've not come across 
this one. You definitely should check out Fred Herzog. Model. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, beautiful book. I feel yeah. like someone had commented this on like a, this is what I like about the like Lomography community is like the comments on your images there are so good. Like people, because they're other creatives are so like giving as far as feedback is concerned versus the Instagram feedback of like, cool shot. Yeah. Love this photo, you know, like you get Hot like- fire. Right. You get people like asking questions and like um, giving feedback and or, and or like comparing you to other artists that you can like, if you don't know them, you can like research them and find out about their work and see the connections and the ties of like what you're doing. So again, I'm gonna kiss Lomography's butt all day long. <laughs> like, I love Lomography. Out. Like their, their film is great, the cameras are great, Birgit is awesome. She's easily one of my favorite people. Yeah. I was yeah. like, have you met you met have you met her in person? No, we've only talked on um, Zoom and the phone. Which and... I feel like Zoom is kind of in person via twenty twenty. <laughs> it's about yeah, it's like, like this is closer you're gonna get. Exactly. Um yeah, like she was great. Like I met her because she helped me do a giveaway on my Instagram last year. And um, I thought it was kind of amazing because, like, I'm no massive influencer by any stretch of the mind. Like, I have, like, 2,000-some followers or something. Um, but Birgit was, like, more than cool to be like, yeah, fuck yeah, we'll send you a couple of, like, reusable cameras to, like, do for giveaways. And, like, you know, oh, I love that. article and like, the Lomo magazine. And it was really cool. Have you shot their disposables? I absolutely fucking love the reusable I've camera. never shot their disposables. Like, of all... That's what killed... I haven't used an Ilford disposable, and I've never shot one of the Lomo disposables. So the Lomo is not actually a disposable. It's a reusable It's camera. the reusable ones. That's yeah. right. And I... It's one of my favorite cameras to use because it's so simple and shitty. It's like... <laughs> And I don't mean shitty in, like, a bad way. I know what you mean, yeah. Yeah, like... Plastic lens, like, simple tool, like... Yeah, plastic lens, um, you can, like, it's set up to only shoot 400-speed film. It has only one aperture. Um, like, there's really nothing special about it by any means, but I've taken some really amazing photos with it, and I've absolutely enjoyed it, and... <laughs> it's one of my favorite things to do with that camera like not shitting you at all is I love shooting Cinestill 800 in it oh okay yeah because it's just it overexposes what is the lighting situation I was gonna say what is the lighting situation you're shooting this in like daylight, daylight? yeah just like street photography daylight and it, it's a little overexposed so it really draws out some like really cool um, sort of a little bit pastel y out yeah. of the, the Cinestill. Um, but yeah, it's usually a state. And I, it's a great street cam because it's like a ninja cam. The loudest thing on it is when you wind it because it's like, zzz, yeah. Zzz. yeah, I love like, the sound you, though. That's one of the sounds yeah. I really like. But then when you fire it, it's like click, like that's it. So yeah. 
when I shoot that camera, I'm not even really looking at framing. Like I just shoot it literally from the hip where it's just like, I'll have it in my pot, like in my hoodie pocket or something and I'll pull it out and just like advance it, point it at something and just fire it. And it's That's a, a very Lomo way to go about that. Like, do you know what I mean? Like if you go back to their like cardinal rules or whatever, that's pretty, that's pretty amazing. And you've got images that you've loved out of the situation. Yeah, I've run probably oh, at, over a dozen rolls of film through it since I got it. That's pretty sick. Yeah, and it hasn't died yet, which is does also... Does it have a built-in flash? It does have yeah. a built-in flash. And it also has a bunch of um, flash gels, too, which are really cool. I saw that. Like, they're, like, built on, right? Yeah. And I love that. It, the gels do make a, a difference when you're fucking around with it. Like, it's... It's a really cool camera and like I would recommend it to anyone to pick one up because um, it works well. Um, it does have some quirks to it when you're trying to do reloading and things like that. But um, you know, overall, like, you know, for like, what is it? 30, 40 bucks or something to buy one. Um, totally yeah. worth it. And like, you'll easily be able to put like, you know, 20 plus rolls through it before you have any issues like okay. yeah. I was yeah. like not a bad deal like for a small like point and shoot camera I, I still have I picked up an Olympus point and shoot when I was in San Diego time before last and I still have rolls from two trips ago that I haven't sent off that I'm so oh, curious man. about <laughs> I, I have all three rolls through it before I even developed one yeah all of this needs to be developed um that's an expensive bag of stuff there, sir. <laughs> I know. I'm going to have, it's going to be like the crying game because I've been sitting on it for too long. And um, I was going to mail it, but I'm like, fuck, I'm going to Toronto. Like, I'll just, just bring it with bring you. It. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of mailing it. But hand I did buy it. it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Hand check it. <laughs> I'm Don't super forget to write it on it, your hand. So. Um, oh, what is in here? Whoa, what? What the heck? New discoveries every day. <laughs> Whoa, okay, okay. This is actually really fucking cool. So I bought a couple of boxes of this, like, Lomo purple and metal. Purple, yeah. And metal tins. And I was just opening it to show you the metal tin. And in the bottom, they had this, like, little... There's this little thing, and there's, like, a little tiny Lomo camera keychain that was in there. What? No, that's I haven't seen cool. that before. That's adorable. That's it's a little LCA. I was stoked that you found Lomochrome Purple because that's like one of my favorite films. <laughs> yeah, so the the store that I, I buy at in Toronto had these were special double packs, and now I'm super stoked because that means there's like little cameras in all of them. That's fucking cool. But I bought <laughs> them because um, these double packs come in metal metal tins. Yeah, I remember seeing those advertised because they have like the little sample yeah. packs too where you get like several of their different things, right? Yeah, now, but now I have to fire this. I feel like I still have like Metropolis too. Metropolis oh is cool. I really like Metropolis a lot. Oh, I think my film box is in the other room. I'm pretty, I'm a terrible human being and I don't store my film in the, I don't store it in the fridge. And I never I, have. I probably never will. 
Oh man, I have a film fridge and it also lives in my regular fridge too because I ran out of room in the film fridge. Oh. Yeah. I mean, I like buying a uh, film from people who have stored it properly, but my film storage is in two different shoe boxes, one for the 120 oh. and one for the 35. Flash 110, just hiding, just sitting under my bed. That's yeah. Visible there. It's such a cool little camera. It's a little janky to load it because, like, you, you have to pull this down, and it doesn't always quite open up right because it's cheap plastic. And then it's got, like, a weird dance because you have to – you put the film in on this side, and you pull it over, and you have to roll all of the film into this. Because when you're advancing, you're so pulling you, like, the film back into the film. wind the whole roll all the way to the end, and then you shoot it backwards, basically. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, this is one of my favorite features about, like, most Canon uh, EOS cameras, is that they, like, back roll it. They advance the whole roll and then shoot it backwards. And Some because of, of that, and... that's why I prefer Canons for double exposures. Oh, okay. Yeah. Does it make a difference for double exposures? Absolutely, it does. Yeah, How because so? you can mark your film lead all day long. And when I was trying to teach these like double exposure workshops, like you can mark your film lead in the same place, load it. So like my Nikon F100, I think I have about a 50-50 rate. It used to be like more 75% success rate, but now it's more 50-50 on if my frames are going to match up or if they're not just oh, okay. because like several cameras like that it depends on like where they catch mm. same thing canon a1s any of those cameras where you have to like physically advance them but like all the eos series canon cameras because they roll the entire roll all the way you're, it's always starting in the same place you're always starting with the same frame so the Nikon F65 and F75 also do that too. That's awesome. That's yeah. great to know. Because the only Nikon I have is the F100. And I tried using like, um, yeah, like the Canon AE1 program to do that. And no, ma'am. No, no, ma'am. <laughs> so like most of those like ones where you like have to physically advance them, you're gonna be off, if not just a little bit. Just overexpose your second exposure and you'll be fine. It'll cover up the black line. It'll be fine. Well, your your F100 also has, your, your F100. You can do it in frame. Yeah. 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 I don't ever do that. I like, to, I, lo I like doing the whole roll thing. And some of my favorite ones are ones that I've gone like weeks b between shooting the first round versus the second round hmm. just... interesting i might have to try that um my battery is just dying though yeah i was like we've been chatting for two hours <laughs> i was like i thought this was gonna be an hour chat <laughs> yeah it's been great chatting with you i've really enjoyed it it's been through. awesome to finally like chat with you yeah and i hope to either make it down to nashville or san diego sometime and cross paths that'd be fun that would be amazing. Let's, I mean, if you come down to Nashville, let's go do some street together. I'll, I'll brave Broadway for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so honored. That'd be amazing. 
But thank you for spending all this time with me. It was really great chatting with you and I had a fun time and thank you everyone for tuning in. Um, next week, I'm going to have Sarah Stellino, Stellino on, um, which should be interesting. Another person that I've met off the grams who I, I don't know. So that should be a lot of fun. And was there anything you wanted to say in parting? No, just thank you for having me. Thank you for doing this. And thank you for continuing to, I don't know, like interact and make the film community just more communal. That's the kind of goal. Like it's a beautiful community that we have and there's so many amazing people in it. And I like being able to chat with everyone. So thank you for being part of it and uh, you know, stay safe out there. Yeah, you too. All right. Take care. Good night. Bye-bye. <laughs>